Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. Welcome to this episode of Strange Catholics. This week, we have a very special interview with a fellow podcaster, Brother Deacon, Deacon Stephen from Phoenix. And we're so elated for this interview. We know you're going to enjoy it. It was a very spirit-filled interview. And we just pray that you have an open heart and listen to our conversation. And we pray that it something you hear may stir up within you, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Inflame you with greater love for Christ and his church and to share that message. Our saint this week is Pope St. Martin I. Welcome, Deacon Steve. I was wondering if you could give us a little background on how you got started with the What is Truth Catholic podcast. You know, I feel called to do something, and I came up with the idea of, well, what's going on in the world? People living in falsehood, what they call the truth. And it's in the eye of the beholder. Whatever I say is true is true. If you don't think it's true for me, then you're discriminating against me and all that fun stuff. So that's where what is truth came out of. Uh, Pilate's line to Jesus, what is truth, as we just heard in the Passion. Sure. Indeed. So Indeed. I wanted to do a podcast that spoke the truth of the church to the <sighs> very secular world that seems to have forgotten that there's a capital T there, not just a small T. It's the truth. I've been a deacon for a little over 18 years. Um, and for a Jewish boy from Worcester, Massachusetts, that's not a bad deal because I didn't start off that way. <laughs> you know, God works in mysterious ways. And uh, I don't know about your story, but my story is in Jewish tradition, you're named after the first letter of a deceased relative. And letter, uh, I think the gentleman's name was Shmuel or something like that. I so it began with an S. So my parents debated Samuel, good Jewish name, right, Samuel, and decided on Stephen. And they ended up spelling it with a PH, just like some deacon that I heard of, uh, proto-martyr of the church. And um, <clears throat> I did my 13 years at Temple and got by mitzvah and got the heck out and became an atheist for uh, between 13 and 28. Uh, atheist agnostic. I didn't believe in anything uh, until... Uh, God got me, um, and you can thank Franco Zeffirelli for that, actually. Um, I assume you've watched many times Jesus of Nazareth? Yes. Okay. Well, I was sitting in a room by myself watching that show in around uh, 1980, somewhere around there. Uh, had no direction in life, finished college, had no idea what I was going to do with my life, totally lost. Um and I saw the show. I don't know why I was watching it. I'm Jewish. I have no idea what that was about. And at a moment in the show, I cannot describe this. This has never happened since. I could feel God's presence. And I knew what I was seeing was the truth. So I was living at home. I had no 
job at the time, 28 years old, no direction. And I walked into my mother's bedroom and I said to her, Mom, I now believe in God and Jesus is his only son. And she looked at me like I was insane. And when I met my wife, I already believed in Christ. And so I was going to convert to being a Lutheran. And since I married an Irish Catholic, um, being Catholic was just fine with me because I already believed in Christ. So that was easy. Um, and that's how that journey happened. And um, one time on retreat, because I don't, you know, I'm not a cradle Catholic, so I, I don't know right. a lot of stuff. Okay. I'm a cradle. I'm cradle Catholic. I'm the only one of the bunch. Yeah, Bob and I are both converts. Uh, from Protestant denomination. Yep. No. Okay. So I was on retreat. Sort of. <laughs> I was uh, baptized Presbyterian. That's ah. the extent of uh, my yes. religious uh, formation before I got married. Ah. Okay. It's good to be a that So there's three converts out of the four here. That's here, man. So anyway, I'm sitting on retreat, and there's this guy up on the altar wearing a white alb in this stall with his shoulder. I'm saying, I said to one of my fellow retreatants, "What? What's that?" Because I have no clue. And he said, "That's a deacon." I said, "What's a deacon?" And he told me, and that's where the idea started to percolate. So years later, I'm in a parish, married, my daughter's born. And I went up to our deacon in the parish. And I said, you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe God's calling me to do this. He said, I'm going to bring in an informational flyer for you on the diaconate program. And I'm saying, he's never going to remember this. But if he does, I'll show up. A week later, he brings in the diaconate information. A little flyer. Go there. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm in discernment. Um, and four years plus years later, I'm ordained. I can't even describe the majesty and the incredible gifts of God. I mean, I, I don't know how I got from a Jew to a to a to an atheist to a to a Catholic to a deacon, other than the grace of God, because it's not me. Amen. I'm quite sure about that. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Praise Amen. God. Yes. So I'm a, I am a strange Catholic gentleman. Without that. <laughs> so are we. Yes, I, so are we. I am the Jewish Catholic uh, in the diocese. I think, and I, I'm I'm rather strange. Yeah. So then, uh, how, how how does your formation program work? I mean, for us here in the St. Cloud Diocese, it involves uh, four years of grad, well, 36 credits of grad school at St. John's uh, Seminary. Wow. Yeah, I mean, where I came from, which is the Diocese of Worcester, Massachusetts, that's where I was ordained. I'm incarnated here in Phoenix now. It was a... Four full year program, although I've been ordained 18 years. So uh, that may well have morphed. I've been here almost 15. So what's going on there? I don't know. This okay. diocese, the Diocese of Phoenix, you have to do two years at what at a place called Kino Catechetical Institute. So it's two years of almost pre formation. And that's mainly lay people learning about the faith. It could be catechists, anyone who's interested in learning more about the faith. So you do two years. And then it's more like a five-year deal, uh, including internships, um, before you're ordained. And they're in cohorts here. Um, I don't know how they met. We met like twice a week, and we didn't have cohorts in Massachusetts. We had classes. So we'd meet twice a week in class um, for the four full years other than the summer. Um, so I, I, I don't know every particular, but 
it, this is a great diocese to be in. Our bishop is um, very much a warrior against um, the culture and against kind of the world we've created, which is fractured, I think, and divided and divisive. You know, I think it's because we've forgotten who we are and we've forgotten the truth of who we are, which is God's creation, beloved of God. And that's what, what is truth about my podcast, which is very minor in the sea of life, but is a small attempt to bring the truth of Christ to others. Beautiful. Speak a little bit more about uh, coming up with a name, what is truth and what was all behind that. I know you've talked about it a little bit here in the beginning, but just to expound on when you said, hey, what's my name, you know, for the podcast, what is truth, what's that goal, end goal completely for you? When I started What is Truth Catholic podcast, originally it was going to be What is Truth podcast, but there was already a million of those out there. So I added the word Catholic in because then it became unique. Uh, I started it in August 2014, uh, was the first episode, the end of August. Uh, I came up with segments that I wanted to talk about. wanted to do a saint, so we have a saint of the week, and I wanted to introduce saints to people um, as people to pray to and role models. Um, I do a segment called Catholics in the News, where talk about some Catholic who's done something that most people wouldn't hear about because they don't make the front page of the paper. Um, Then, of course, I preach, which gives me a good excuse to at least prepare a homily. Sometimes my pastor will come up to me and say, want to preach this week? And if I didn't have something in the bag, I would be, (laughs) let the spirit move me. But still, it's nice to have something prepared. So I do a homily in there. Then I do a, um, a segment called Truth in the Media, where I look at something in books, movies, um, podcast, radio, something that has a Catholic bent to it to kind of hopefully get people to read something or hear something that teaches the truth of the faith. Then I do my favorite one, which is I don't get it, which is my attempt to figure out the craziness that the world is up to, whether it's churches being ransacked or people passing all sorts of bills uh, allowing us to kill people who think they should be killed or whatever it is. Uh, and then I end it with truth topic of the week, which is often Pope Francis teaching the truth um, to live in the world. Um, and I kind of work in that format um, pretty much weekly. But the, the idea came from Pontius Pilate. It came from the Easter readings when Pilate said to Christ, what is truth? We know what truth is, Christ the way, the truth, and the life. So the whole point of the podcast was, I'm not Jesus, but I hope I know some of the truths of our faith that we're taught. And the whole point of the podcast was to impart those in some form using media and using things in popular culture to kind of educate people without necessarily getting into the catechism and into things that would theologically put people to sleep. And I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a beast from the East, so I can talk a million miles an hour, and that's culturally normative where I come from. Um, back East, people can... So um, that's what got me into this and how I picked the title. Yeah, I, I think you do a good job. I, I was impressed, and, you know, you did a good job of uh, segueing between your segments with, you know, some funky disco music. At times, I thought it was yeah. great. Uh, I went from Very retro. Um, yeah, I, it's been funny because I've also been, you know, my hobby is technology. I've gone from um, podcasting on a Mac uh, using my, um, you know, blue mic 
um, using GarageBand. Then when I moved into the uh, Google sphere into Android, I ended up podcasting on a Chromebook using Audacity, which is a mm. um, Windows-based program. Yep. And then I discovered Anchor, sold my Chromebook, and now I podcast on my on my phone, blowing it up on my 32-inch monitor, which I can see you on right now, using Samsung DeX. Uh, so now I've, I've totally changed technology over the years um, because I'm a minimalist. Less is more for me. So if I can do one podcast from a phone, hey, that's good. So, um, yeah. I don't know how long I'm going to continue this. As I said, August is seven years. Um, but I guess if the Lord wants me to do something else, I will. Otherwise, I'm going to keep going until I drop dead or uh, something else happens, whatever comes first. But I'm old, so who knows? I'm not sure we could make it together for seven years. I don't know. Well, you guys have to put up with each other. I have to put up with myself, which is almost as bad. You know? <laughs> Maybe almost as bad. Maybe almost as bad. <laughs> And they have to listen to me every week. So that's just punishment all by itself. Uh, I'll tell you, you what you guys are doing is really important. I mean, whether you have 100 listeners, 1,000 listeners, people need to hear what's being said out there. And um, it is great that we're using new media to try to bring Jesus to other people in whatever way we can. If it's one, if it's 100, if it's 1,000, you know, we're all not going to be you know, Father Mike Schmitz, we're all not going to have, you know, what does Ascension have? Well, we know. Two people on Ascension, uh, you know, right, that's right. fine. I just want to bring Jesus to people if I can in any way I can. So, um, and hopefully with a little humor involved too. But join strange Catholics because we're all a bunch of strange Catholics, I'll tell you. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Praise be to God. Hey, anybody who can preach the word and speak the word in this culture, and keep themselves sane is definitely a strange Catholic, I'll tell you. Yeah, for me, my first ministry was social work. Uh, when I when God came to me and kind of helped me see that he exists in, in the form of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, I decided to go back to grad school and uh, became a social worker because I wanted to serve the poor. Um, and uh, became a therapist and worked primarily with people who are on public assistance, you know, act state medicaid uh primarily um through most of my career um that was my first service before i even knew what a deacon was um it was being a social worker and still is so um not the highest paid job on the planet but an incredibly rewarding one and for me lately it's been all about helping people help themselves out of slavery of addiction which through covid19 by the way as you know has run more rampant than it was pre-COVID-19 um, as far as people crawling into substances, alcohol, whatever it is. Yeah, that's my primary focus right now is helping people to move beyond and to see that they're not alcoholics, they're people with alcoholism. That's not how God created them, and that's not who they are. And they're worth more than that. They're not the throwaways of the world. So... Um, that's what I do for a living, um, and uh, my diaconal ministry um, is part-time, um, either podcasting or on weekends. You know, behavioral health was smattering doing telehealth. Now telehealth has exploded, and everybody's doing telehealth. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, people with communications and doing what you're doing are very important, especially nowadays. 
no shortage of work. No shortage of work. I can assure you of that. Now, same working with addiction. I'm not running out of people who are struggling with addiction, I'm sorry to say. So one type of addiction that we've discussed on our podcast and tried to highlight, yeah. which we which we all believe don't get doesn't get covered or uh, addressed as much as maybe some of the other substance abuses out there is pornography. And we've tried to bring a lot of light to that here from the experiences that we've had and experiences we've had with others. Is yep. this is this an area that you've also gotten involved in? Uh, not directly. I have seen Matt Fred on a podcast before. He's kind of the the guru of uh, pornography addiction, at least from the church perspective. Um, an addiction is an addiction. Um, had people with eating disorders, pornography disorders. Um, I worked with Native Americans for five plus years, and we had a tremendous amount of gambling disorders among Native Americans who worked at casinos and then picked up the bug to gamble their money away if they were at the casino. Right. Uh, pornography is very difficult because human beings were physically created to enjoy some kind of sexual experience. Um, and it creates, obviously, brain chemistry during that whole process. I mean, it's the same process, admitting powerlessness, turning it over to the Lord, and being part of a group that one gets supported and also holds accountability to. Um, that's one of the beautiful things of 12-step is there's accountability there. You have a sponsor, you have somebody to go to, somebody will call you, someone you can talk to, they'll say, how are you doing with this? Uh, but pornography breaks up marriages and creates all sorts of issues. But I'm not a pornography expert by any means. But a drug is a drug is a drug, and porn's a drug. Just like gambling is, just like overeating is, a drug is a drug is a drug. Um, right, endorphins and all that. And all the brain chemistry. Yeah. Yep. Um, and with, with sexuality issues, I mean, you can stop putting a substance in your body. Telling someone not to be sexual in that way is a little bit more challenging because... You know, depending on what their outlets are, if they're married, what they, you know, people are in different situations in life. So, so it might be a little more complicated than simply don't drink that alcohol or don't shoot that into your veins. Right. Um, it's like eating disorders. If you have an eating disorder, you have to eat, though. So you can't give up eating. Right. <laughs> you have an eating disorder. So you have to kind of learn to, to live with those things. I guess I found in my experience that the way to not go there is the old near occasion of sin. If you don't listen to something, think of something, experiencing something right. kind of triggers that, you may not go there. But once you watch something, think of something, fantasize about something, you're already doing it. Um, so it's really about avoiding those near occasions of sin. Notice the triggers, as we say in addiction treatment. And then when you see the triggers, reach out for help somewhere. Um, because if, they, if you keep thinking about it or whatever, you're going to end up back where you were. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think what we've seen in pornography, at least from our my experience, and I think Phil would concur with this, is with other types of substance abuses, there's been a lot more organized treatment yes. that has been established. Whereas in yeah. pornography, there's some and it's there's getting some. better. But it's kind of like this secret. A lot of men and women mm -hmm. kind of live in this, in in the darkness in this. And this is something that you know we've discussed that we try to bring to the light and and try to you know uh, put it out there so we yeah. can try to help I, people with it. 
I mean, the other aspect of it besides the obvious is it's another continuation, I think, of the objectification of people that the world does. Yes, uh, yes. With objectifying women, objectifying, you know, we, we treat people sometimes like we're supposed to consume them, like we're consumers, right? That's what our economy is based on, how much we spend. And yep. if our, we spend a lot, our economy is good. If we don't, then it goes in the toilet. We become consumers of this to fill emptiness, I think, inside of us, but like eating fish, which I enjoy, being from the Northeast originally, you're hungry an hour later. It, it doesn't satisfy. Uh, and it leads to, obviously, the shame. Like you go on a bender, you feel shamed after. And then, of course, what are you going to do to feel better? Keep doing it. And it becomes a vicious, addictive cycle. Um, yeah, I, I hate addiction of any kind. But I have found that we're all addicted to one thing, ourselves, because it's very hard, I found, to get yourself out of the way. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it is. For all those things that we just discussed, Amen. right? Especially. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm an old man, and I still have a long way to go to surrender it all, you know, to surrender control right. to, to it's Christ. It's very hard. It's incredibly hard. And how many times uh, and, have you told yourself, you can do it, I can do it, I can do it, and you don't need anybody else or anything else, I can do it. We're weak if we don't tell ourselves that, according to society, right? We right. go around crying and emoting, then we're considered weak. Uh, we're naturally we're strong, uh, as St. Paul would say. You're listening to a special interview with uh, Deacon Steve from the Phoenix Diocese here on Strange Catholics. Alcoholism, that addiction and even drug addictions may be more socially acceptable than pornography because once somebody says that they're addicted to pornography, the first thing you think of is they're a pervert and they're exactly. a pedophile, get my children right. away from them. That's right. Right? That's right. I mean, the main drug that has the stigma is people who shoot things in their arm, particularly like heroin. That has that same purity, nasty, oh, you're a heroin junkie, like you're junk. Uh, Or a criminal, a junkie, right. Right, exactly. So, but you're right, alcohol, because it's sold in stores, and in Arizona, it's even sold in Walmart and every place you go. We don't have liquor stores here alone. You can buy alcohol anywhere, just about in Arizona. Um, It it doesn't have that negative stigma that pornography has. I think you're right, Bob, about that able to come forward and say you know what i'm powerless over this thing and i need help yes yeah no matter what the addiction is you know just surrendering and that's that's always that's all i think that's always kind of the big key you know especially for us like you said steve you know we as guys are conditioned to be strong and not to show any weakness. And so when we admit failure or when we admit that we need help, then somehow that makes us less than as men. Yep. Yep. Well, if you ever think of it, Google Bishop Thomas Olmsted a few years ago, he did a YouTube video, but it's all about men and the role of men and how men are called to step up and be like St. Joseph, protectors, people who lead their family spiritually, people who aren't an empty seat in the church where the wife brings the kids and the guys at home or getting ready to go to a golf game. Calling men into the breach? Is that the That's one? That's it. Into the breach. That's it. I knew it. Once you had it, I'd know it. Into the breach. It's great. What are you, Bob shaking his head. He's saying, don't watch it. 
Because uh, I, cool I found it that fast. Phil's the man. That. Phil's the man. I mean, that's good. Yeah. Phil's, no. Phil's our technical he's, wizard. The guy knows. He's everything. Yeah. He is. He's he is the he's guy. All, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think what you're doing, particularly for men, uh, with this is important. And and speaking things that are hard for people to hear. Someone needs to speak what's hard to hear and hard to say. With right. love, of course. So, in love uh, yeah, not yeah we got strength what we've kind of said before is that men who think that they can just do it all themselves those men are not strong the men that are strong are men like us who know that we're flawed that know that we need that spiritual support and that we go to church and we yeah. pray and we do all those things and ask for that strength that's where strength is it's Agreed. not the other way Nope. That's why I differentiate guys from men. Guys are the people who are doing all the stuff where they think they run the world and men understand that we have a responsibility to our families, to ourselves, to our world, to be models of what a man is. Someone who loves, cares, protects, and serves others. Um, so um, it's good that you're speaking that to your listeners because I don't think we can say it too much. Uh, not with this culture. We could we could podcast three sixty five, uh, twenty four three sixty five like your job, Bob. And I I don't think we could say it enough with all the messages coming from the rest of the culture. Honestly, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's just I know, um, but I hope you. How long you've been doing this? I hope you'll keep going because it's almost a year. Almost a yeah. year. That's great. Just keep going. Um, you know, it, it's never going to be about how many. But if you touch one life, one, you've done something of great spiritual value. And That's our prayer. That's our prayer. Yeah, one yeah. person. You know, I love it. The, at the, you know, at the end of, you know, when the bishop does the ordination right, the old, when it's time for you to meet the Lord, he will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. Um, God willing, that's what I hope to hear when it's my time to go and say, hey, you were a good servant. Yeah, you're flawed. Yeah, you messed up, but you tried to speak the truth. You could have loved more. You could have been more what I called you to be, but you tried to be the best you could be and welcome into the kingdom in some form, whether it's hanging out in purgatory for a while, yeah. whatever God. Which is okay. Fun. I'm okay with purgatory. Okay. I, I, yeah. I don't worry about that stuff. Uh, as I've gotten older, uh, I have on the door of our house when the pandemic printed out the divine mercy. Um, Jesus, I trust in you. Yes. It's on the inside of the house. Um, and it's also on my wallpaper on my phone um, because I want to remember that that's who I trusted. Not in, despite all the challenges, the losses that we all go through. I mean, I, I had a family member suffer from addiction, recovered. Uh, I've had, you know, wife had cancer, recovered. I mean, there's been so much in the last years, and yet God gets us through this stuff in his grace, despite layoffs. I've been through three rifts, reductions in force. My last company closed because of money. Uh, but yet, despite all of that, despite all of that, God gets us through if we only turn to him and put it in his hands. And I've seen that power up close and personal, and it blows me away. I, I, I just am astounded by it. Honestly, it'll um, knock your not, socks off, won't it? It, it? 
And as a Jewish Catholic, I never expected it. I just never expected it. It's just never. I mean, I thought, I thought Judy, I, I love my Jewish roots, don't get me wrong, but all we talk about is how we were, you know, a people that was always discriminated against and killed. And it's like, I don't want to be part of a, a bad, and I just got by Mitzvah and ran out the door. So, but, and despite my flaws, with the podcast, without it, that's what I am trying to do. Our faith is just so alive. Our church is so alive. And yeah, we have problems. We all know what they are, but we have, we have the bulwark of truth, our church, and I will die defending it. And it's funny, since those, what, 15 years of total doubt, I have no doubt at this point in my life in Christ and who he is, that he is none. I spent 15 years not lost. And I know, because I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, that Jesus is real. He is the Savior. He exists. He loves us. And he calls us to die to self and to follow him. Right. So genuine and so from the heart. Yeah. So I, I get I get your podcast much more now from having this short interview because it totally I can totally relate to listening to your podcast now and where you're coming from, what place you're coming from. Yeah, what I'm trying to do, guys, as we wrap up this, I'm trying to come from a place. One of the things I learned in management training is the concept of integrity, that an object has integrity when its function is in place. I've taught that humans have integrity when they think, feel, do, and act according to what they believe. And I finally, although far from perfect, don't hear anything, watch anything, do anything that's contrary to what I believe. And I found that since I gave up things that I used to do that were against what I believe, that's a lot easier to live the faith in integrity. Still imperfectly, way imperfect, but much more integrated into myself since I'm not doing anything on the side that doesn't fit in what I believe and what the church teaches. So that's really helped me over the years. Whether it was listening to a radio show that really kind of didn't treat women all that well. So why am I watching it? Why am I listening to it? Put it away. Things like that. And as I put things away that aren't of God, it doesn't mean I listen to, you know, I'm a tech guy for my hobby. So I listen to a lot of Android stuff and technology stuff as well as Catholic stuff. I'll tell you, everything is in line with belief, with what I believe. It just makes it so much easier to be authentic as me, as opposed to feeling like there's a lot of hypocrite in me. Um, so not much hypocrite, but imperfect in living it for sure. Um, in all humility, very imperfect, but now I'm not a hypocrite, uh, but I'm many other things like a pain, but anyway, um, ask my staff, they'll tell you, uh, but, uh, it is what it is. So thank you guys. I'm sorry. Once I start talking about stuff I'm passionate about it is, no, I, thank you I, for coming on. It, yeah, it, we, it, wonderful. I, I, Phil, I should have warned you about this. I didn't know how I would be. I've never been in my life. No, podcast, so I had no idea what to do. I just asked the Holy Spirit, give me the words. Uh, Amen. That's why, right. Please, give me the words. Everybody that comes on here acts strange, right? When you're in the strange Catholics living room here, you're no, acting strange. If you have, okay. <laughs> We're used to it. Marketing and come up with a strange Catholics t-shirt, let me know I'm going to buy one as we all journey together to serve the Lord. So God bless Amen. all of you. All right, we're back from that wonderful interview with Deacon Stephen. Outstanding interview. And now it's time for the always popular Saint Spotlight. 
and Terry's got it with St. Martin. Terry, take it away. Thanks, guys. Good evening, podcast listeners. Good to be with you after that wonderful interview. We, this week, are talking about one of the early, early, early saints, Pope St. Martin I. He was both a pope and a martyr. Uh, He's also known as Martin the Confessor. His feast day is April the 13th. He was born at Todi on the Tiber River, the son of Fabricius. He was born of noble birth, a great student, commanding intelligence, of profound learning, and of great charity to the poor. He became a deacon and served in Rome when he acquired a reputation for education and for holiness. Pope Theodore I chose Martin as his representative to the emperor in Constantinople during a period of theological controversy between the imperial capital and the church. The dispute in which Martin became involved first as a papal nuncio and later as Pope himself was over Christ's human nature. Although the church has always acknowledged the eternal son of God as becoming man within history, some Eastern bishops continued to insist that Christ's human nature was not entirely like that of other human beings. A teaching strongly supported in the East. Twice, emperors had officially favored this position. Heraclius by publishing a formula of faith and Constans II by silencing the issue of one or two wills in Christ. Now, St. Martin would later become Pope Theodore's successor as Bishop of Rome on July 21st, 649. Martin himself had consecrated without waiting for the imperial confirmation and was and soon after that called a council in the Lateran Basilica in Rome at which 105 bishops met. Five sessions were held on October 5th, 8th, 17th, 19th, and 31st in the year 649. Martin insisted that the teaching which denied Christ's human will could not be glossed over as an irrelevant point. To refuse to acknowledge Christ's distinctive divine and human wills, he believed was to deny the biblical teaching that Christ was like humanity and everything other than sin. The Byzantine Emperor Constance II retaliated against Pope Martin by sending his own representative to Italy during the council with orders to either arrest the Pope or have him killed. A henchman of the emperor who attempted to assassinate the Pope while he was distributing Holy Communion later testified that he suddenly lost his eyesight and could not carry out the death sentence. In 653, the emperor again sought to silence Pope Martin, this time by sending a delegation to capture him. A struggle ensued, and he was taken to Constantinople before being exiled to the island of Naxos for a year. Those who tried to send help to the exiled pope were denounced as traitors to the Byzantine Empire. Eventually, he was brought back to Constantinople as a prisoner. 
Publicly, the emperor had Martin stripped of his episcopal robes, which were ripped from top to bottom, similar to the curtain when Christ was executed on the cross. In May of 655, he was banished to the Cremerian Peninsula, where he suffered from the famine of the land as well as the roughness of the land and its people. Martin, exiled and neglected, wrote that he prayed for the safety of the faithful in Rome and especially for their new pastor. But hardest to take was the fact that the Pope found himself friendless. His letters tell how his own church had deserted him and his friends had forgotten him. They wouldn't even send him oil or corn to live off of. Martin wrote that he was not only separated from the rest of the world, but even deprived of the means to live. Tortures and cruel treatment having taken their toll, Martin died shortly thereafter on September 6th by confirming in 681 that Christ had both a divine and a human will. Rather, September 16th, 655. He was the last of the early popes to be venerated as a martyr. The Third Ecumenical Council of Constantinople eventually vindicated Pope Martin I. Pope St. Martin I, Pope and Martyr, pray for pray us. For pray us. for us. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us in this special uh, podcast this week with our wonderful interview with uh, Deacon Stephen. Um, this is a good time for you, though, to go to your, your podcast app right now, where you find us. It's either on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find us, and go ahead and rate us. Okay, rate us five because of that wonderful, outstanding interview with Deacon Stevens. So rate us five. And then also hit that subscribe button. If you haven't subscribed, you need to subscribe right now. Hit the subscribe button so you make sure that you get it in your feed every week. And you get the strange Catholics in there every week. Because you got to have a dose of strange Catholics every week. All right. Leave us a message. You can do it on the podcast platform. You know, leave us, a, you know, some comments. can be a message. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, love the same spotlight. I think Bob is the most beautiful young man in the world because he doesn't look in his 50s. All that stuff, you can put that on there. You can say how, how much you don't like us as well. You can do that. Leave it there. Or there's a better place that you may be able to do it, which is? StrangeCatholicsPod at gmail.com. You may also leave us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash strangecatholics. And, and please give us your prayer intentions and prayer requests because we're here to pray for you and pray with you. Okay? All right. It's time for the end of the podcast. We ready for final prayer? Yeah, let's do this. All right, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Wonderful and glorious God, thank you for this wonderful evening, this wonderful podcast to have the great interview with Deacon Stephen, his his wonderful faithfulness and and conviction in his belief system. I just, just, it was just uplifting. You, you, you were just, we could just all feel your presence during that interview, God. As, as we go forward tonight, we, we would like to lift up 
these groups in prayer intentions. For those trying to conceive and, con and conception to natural death, COVID, those suffering COVID, those families that are suffering with COVID, the, the healthcare workers that are dealing with COVID, please God, just, just lift them up and, and give them spirit and hope so they can get over their illness and keep going. Married couples and those who are struggling in their marriage right now, Lord, just just be there, be that, be that third person or third entity in that marriage, that bond between them to keep the man and woman together. Uh, for the the crisis we're having on the southern border with all these unaccompanied children that are coming across the border without parents, please. Lord, we know they're scared. Just please be there for them and the and the workers that are helping them, the border patrol and so on. Just just please be there for them. And now I open it to my other two brothers for any other prayer intentions. For all those that suffer from addictions. For all those that are struggling in their faith or are far from their faith, that they may be drawn ever closer to the warmth and the light of Christ. And just for those who are struggling to get through their day. May the Holy Spirit come down upon them and let them know the love of God and wrap them in God's tender care. And Lord, we ask you that, that you lift up all these specific intentions and all prayer intentions. Please, uh, please address all of these. And we ask this through your son, Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Wonderful, wonderful podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Until next week, love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation, and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day and may God bless you.